This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Texas has been pounded by Hurricane Harvey, one of the worst storms on record. Up to 50 inches of rain's fallen in some areas, with thousands of people displaced and numerous homes and businesses damaged or destroyed. The LCMS is mobilizing relief efforts. Many congregations and members in the stricken area are already helping friends and neighbors. The LCMS is no stranger when it comes to disaster relief, whether an earthquake in Haiti, typhoon in the Philippines, or natural disasters right here in the United States. We respond. Not only do we respond, we stay for the long-term recovery. It was almost 12 years ago to the day that the disastrous Hurricane Katrina drowned the city of New Orleans. LCMS Southern District President, the Reverend Kurt Schultz, says many lessons learned from Katrina will help in Harvey's recovery. Worldwide KFUO's Andy Bates speaks with Reverend Schultz on today's World Lutheran News Digest. This is World Lutheran News Digest. The work by the Wilongasi Lutheran Firehawan. The Reverend Curtis D. Schultz, President of the Southern District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for your time today. I appreciate it and uh, looking forward to hearing what's happening in the Southern District and also get your perspective on what we've learned from the past, particularly your experience with Hurricane Katrina as well today. Sure, absolutely. What part of the district are you in right now? Currently, I'm in, uh, in uh, northern Alabama. Probably uh, just a little rain there, I guess. Not too yeah. bad there. Yeah, yeah, we're starting to get uh, some of the rain. What are what are the reports you've received from other parts, uh, I guess, closer to the coast in your district? Right. Um, it, currently, Lake Charles uh, is experiencing the uh, largest amount of rain, um, and it, it will be making landfall uh, in that general area uh, for hopefully its final time. Um, they're uh, calling uh, currently uh, for possible um, flash flooding in northwest and central uh uh, Louisiana. Um, so we're monitoring some of our congregations there. Uh, Lake Charles, Sulphur, um, uh, Lafayette, uh, DeRitter, Leesville. Uh, those congregations are uh, uh, currently, we've been in, in close contact with them uh, through this time. And this will all uh, continue through Thursday evening. Then uh, hopefully uh, Friday we'll be seeing some clearing as it moves out. But the good news is it's moving a little bit more quickly. Uh, the storm has picked up some speed. We're always happy to see that. Let's go back to the time of Hurricane Katrina. Where were you at that uh, at that time? Well, I uh, actually, when impact was made, I did evacuate uh, to Birmingham, uh, Alabama, um, where I rode the storm out. Uh, the storm did come through Birmingham as well. Um, even in Birmingham, there was substantial winds. Uh, and rain uh, power outages. Um, after the storm, uh, uh, it took me a day to cut my car out um, in my vehicle uh, from the trees uh, so I could begin to make my uh, trek down to the coast. What did we learn 
from our the disaster of Hurricane Katrina? What are things that we learned as as congregations, as a church body, and how we respond and serve and 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 our preparedness for such disasters? Well, I I think uh, as far as preparedness, um, we learned the importance uh, to have. Uh, not only personal plans, but congregational plans uh, on how to prepare and respond uh, for the inevitability of, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the disasters that we do face, uh, especially those that we can prepare for uh, and, and it, prepare for in the best possible way that we can. Uh, one of the greatest uh, needs that um, we had after Katrina was just the ability to locate people uh, and to, to check on them. Uh, and that was one of our greatest challenges. I even remember uh, it, it, the center set up in Baton Rouge uh, where um, it was the center to locate people uh, that could not be located. Uh, and we were, you know, the thousands of people that um, we did not know the location of uh, or the well-being of those individuals. Um, and that extended for months, uh, actually over a year in some cases. So um, you, we, we found it very important uh, to set up a system whereby our people um, and pastors uh, can report, uh, number one, where they are evacuating. Um, we use the term where they are evacuating because when the order is given to evacuate, we expect them to evacuate uh, and um, follow uh, the, the, the order of the government uh, in doing that. Uh, so uh, to give us uh, contact information, we have a database, uh, an online database, uh, not only for our church workers, which is a mandatory reporting, um, and then, but also for congregational members uh, so that they can uh, call in uh, and give us a record. Uh, then later on, when our pastors are looking for their people, um, we're able to connect with them that's the only people get only uh, individuals who get the information of where their families have evacuated uh, so they can continue to care for them regardless of where they are um, after katrina our people were uh, we measured uh, progress uh, by the um, how the number of states that were shrinking where our people were we there were in over 35 states um, you know that they had evacuated to and then they would we would shrink that down uh, over time so, um, you know, it, there's, all, there's a great deal of angst uh, on our pastor's part um, when they don't know where their people are uh, and that they care for, uh, and they want to be able to care for them. So that was a crucial piece uh, for congregations. Um, in, in, you know, it's in the very initial stage. We don't often think about that. We think about the disaster property, uh, but there's an element of care for our people uh, that uh, is, um, I, I, I believe, more important uh, than even the component uh, of uh, the actual physical recovery. That being said, then uh, we did learn that uh, the importance of um, uh, strengthening our congregations and its people uh, in their recovery uh, so that they become arms uh, of, for their communities uh, they become vessels of service, of mercy to those around them. Um, you know, if this is not about a prioritization of importance, that our people are more important uh, than those than our neighbors around us. 
but um, we have to find ways to build capacity of care uh, in a, a local area. And the best way to do that is to um, or, uh, uh, you know, aid our people uh, in their recovery so that they then uh, can be resources to help others as well. One of those ways of caring for the community, I believe, is uh, Camp Restore. Tell me about how Camp Restore came out of, uh, in response to the disaster of Hurricane Katrina. Right. Well, Camp Restore, we looked for, um, actually, we had a number of camps uh, initially after the storm. We had three uh, that were strategically placed. Um, most of them were tent camps. Uh, the, the early earlier camps were tent camps. There was three of them before Camp Restore even came about. Uh, we had one at Atonement in Metairie. Uh, we had one at Lamb of God in Slidell, Louisiana. Uh, and then we had one in Biloxi uh, at, the, at our congregation in Biloxi was also a tent camp. Uh, those camps then, um, when Camp Restore came online uh, through... Um, uh, the desire for many agencies to partner together. Uh, and, um, you know, it really is the partnering of how we all uh, are able to uh, plug in our strengths uh, to, and they're all very different resources, uh, but working together in one location uh, to be able to do that. So then Camp Restore uh, began uh, they, of saying, okay, this is going to be a longer-term recovery. Um, where do we, how do we do that? Um, and now uh, uh, Camp Restore New Orleans East is still functioning uh, after uh, 13 years. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd just say that yesterday was the anniversary uh, of Katrina, uh, the 12-year anniversary, uh, and of, of it coming ashore. And uh, uh, somebody had just published as well uh, that uh, the number of storms that we have felt in Louisiana that have all uh, been, we've been impacted on the same day. Um, and, and including Harvey coming, you know, working to come ashore uh, yesterday. So um, there's, there was at least four major uh, storms that, that we've experienced. But then saying that, so that, that became the, the uh, Camp Restore in New Orleans East. The Biloxi Camp shut down uh, about four years, five years ago, um, and uh, came to a conclusion. Then RAI, uh, Recovery Assistance Incorporated, um, which is the RSO that runs Camp Restore um, and, um, and continues the volunteer work, uh, then was able also to partner uh, and to set up a camp in Baton Rouge uh, with the floods, uh, the, the tremendous floods, very similar to what, we're, what Houston is experiencing uh, in Baton Rouge where uh, 30,000 homes uh, were flooded that were not in flood zones. Uh, but because of the torrential rain uh, that they experienced, uh, and we're currently still working, there's still maybe about 600 homes uh, in Baton Rouge that, that uh, Camp Restore Baton Rouge uh, is working. That, that, that uh, camp is located on the property of Trinity uh, in Baton Rouge, uh, and uh, they continue to function. It just happens the pastor of that congregation was one of the early directors, actually the second director of Camp Restore uh, in New Orleans East. That's Dave Buss. Uh, and um, so that's why the connection uh, took place. 
So we're looking to, to rebuild communities. Um, that's why Camp Restore came into existence and why it even continues uh, 12 years after the storm. What were you able to, what was the, I guess, the, the, um, the number or the, uh, the impact of the number of homes you were able to rebuild after Hurricane Katrina? You know that um, uh, that we've been involved with uh, in the rebuilding, uh, and that's just in the New Orleans area. That's not including Baton Rouge. Uh, Baton Rouge, um, I believe, is um, approaching the um, uh, the near a thousand mark uh, in Baton Rouge as well uh, in in their recovery. Uh, that does not include what transpired in Biloxi uh, and the amount of rebuilding that uh, we did in Mississippi as well. So um, it's a little hard to grasp, <laughs> you know, the total numbers or get our arms around, uh, but the um, uh, you know, over 10,000 volunteers that we've seen, many who have come back uh, time and time again uh, and continue. Um, for that reason, um, you know, we have contacted the Texas uh, district and uh, asked whether they would need our assistance uh, in helping. That's what we specialize in. Um, and what our, uh, I don't want to, you know, maybe specialize is not the best word. That's what we're most experienced in, uh, in uh, the creation and management of long-term volunteer camps. Um, they have welcomed that, uh, and we will we'll be coming alongside of them uh, to um, uh, help them, uh, whatever number of camps they decide. Um, and I know that they're they're thinking about a number of camps in different locations, uh, working through local congregations. I think that's always the key, too. Uh, Camp Restore is on the property of a congregation, and uh, it just happens to be the congregation my wife grew up in. Um, I was married uh, in, in, uh, in their mess hall uh, at, uh, many years ago, uh, so there is a connection very dear to my heart uh, with Camp Restore as well. But yeah, that's how Camp Restore then, when um, uh, different agencies, uh, Labors for Christ, um, uh, you know, the, um, uh, you know, and various agencies that came together, uh, World Relief and Human Care, um, you know, all of those uh, who said, okay, let's, um, let's find a way uh, to bring uh, the capacity uh, that we have as a, as a church body to help uh, in these matters. So, um, it's been a joy to be a part of that. What does it mean to have a, the church body, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, come alongside you in the uh, the ministry that you've been given, that, that your district has been given to care for uh, the people in your very communities? Yes, I, I, I can't express, and, and I really want to stress this, the strength of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod is its people, uh, the lay people. Uh, I am amazed uh, at the heart of our lay people who want to respond, who continue time after time after time uh, to step in uh, and to respond and respond quickly and to do it with joy, with such a sense of joy uh, and, um, and caring for people. Uh, um, uh, it's, that is, in my estimation, the lay people of our church body is its strength uh, and, and how they are expressing their faith, uh, not only uh, with their hands and feet, 
but also verbally as they minister to people, uh, to those who they are working inside of their homes. Uh, you know, whenever we got a home, uh, it's not just about the building, it's about the people. And um, we interact with them, we have opportunity to listen to, carefully uh, to what they have to say, uh, to their pains and their hurts, um, to offer them the comfort uh, uh, of the good news of Jesus with them. Um, that, I, I believe, is what continues uh, to drive our lay people uh, to step up and do that because they have such an opportunity uh, to affect the lives of people not only in their physical homes but also in their spiritual faith. Uh, and and um, uh, so um, what, a, what a great blessing it is uh, to have uh, and to be part of a church body where our lay people uh, really show the strength of this church body. When those you serve are deeply troubled and distressed by the disaster and ask the question, where is God in the midst of this disaster? How could God allow this to happen? How do you respond? Well, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm smiling because um, I can recall um, a microphone being put in my face uh, a camera rolling as I was standing in front of a debris uh, in Slidell, Louisiana, and that very question being asked me uh, as the cameras, you know, cameras were rolling. Uh, my my response is God is here in the midst of this. His promise is to continue to care for people. There are those um, who, um, uh, you know, it is God does desire. Uh, for them, uh, it is the time, it is the conclusion of their life. He has determined that. The way in which they leave the earth uh, is, um, you know, a, a, you know a, is in his hands. But he continues to be in the midst of all of this. So when, God, when people say, where is God? God is here in the midst of this disaster, even when the storm is happening. It's not just in the protection of people. It's speaking words of calm into their hearts. Uh, so um, oftentimes people, you know, they, they see the negative effects um, the, of people who, who are facing this without him, not realizing that he is present. Uh, and that's why they ask, where is God? They're asking, where is God? Because these people are not experiencing God because they have no relationship with him. Uh, and when that happens... Um, then uh, they see real disaster, and they think God is the one who's not present. Uh, God is present, uh, and he is there at all times. Uh, and he speaks in just so many ways. Um, uh, you know, and in, in, in just in the recalling of, of Scripture uh, to mind that, that has been instilled in our hearts, uh, you know, from a very early childhood. I, I remember my first day into the zone uh, coming back out of Birmingham and and um, I happened to be in Slidell, Louisiana um, and as I was driving down one of the one of the streets uh, this was about two days after the storm um, you know I noticed um, that was one of the only above ground below ground cemeteries that we had um, because they, it wasn't below sea level but even in that cemetery, the graves had been opened. The caskets were in the trees on the other side of the road. Uh, and they had been taken by the water 
just out of it opened the graves it, and it floated them to the top of the trees and I stood there and looked at that uh, and um, you know obviously um, you know a great deal of fear strikes one's heart uh, when you see that and and just as clear as could be uh, God recalled um, his promises very clearly that were that were in my heart as a young man um, that uh, not to fear uh, the power that could open the graves. Um, uh, that's the storm. But understand that uh, there is only one uh, that has the power over death, and that is Jesus, uh, who is the resurrection and the life. So it's those ways in which God continues uh, to be in the midst of all of this turmoil, and he continues to speak, uh, not only in ways in which he has spoke to us in the past, but in ways in which uh, he speaks to us through people who are surrounding us during those times, um, e- expressing his care and his love. So, um, you know, we can talk about first responders. The, the presence of God is so evident uh, in the storm, uh, even in the midst of the very storm, it is hard uh, f- for me to ever say God is not there. You mentioned earlier that one of our key strengths as the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod is the laity who have a heart to serve. Tell me about a time when you heard or saw those serving bring the gospel message to those who were hurting. Hmm. Well, uh, you know, I boy, there's varied. One that just comes to mind very quickly is... um, I happened to be in a uh, working uh, alongside uh, some lay people. It happened to be they happened to be farmers uh, from Iowa, and um, actually uh, many of them were farm women uh, from Iowa. And I will just say, you don't want to be standing next to a farm woman with a sledgehammer in her hand. Uh, but uh, they're they're uh, very um, very you know, just unbelievable in the work that they're doing. But we were in a home in Mississippi, uh, a home that um, was off the ground one story by code uh, built up, and it was a, um, uh, a, a two-story home, uh, and it had taken water to the second story. Uh, so it was about, uh, you know, a little over 22 feet of water uh, through the storm surge that had come into that area. And we were gutting it. And, um, uh, you know, the, the gentleman that was there, um, that was the owner of the house, um, it, you know, I, do I believe he was Christian? Yes. Um, maybe not, uh, you know, continuing to really struggling uh, a little bit with all of this. Not very strong necessarily in his faith and in his relationship. He owned two homes. Um, the other one was just washed off its foundation. Uh, but uh, this particular one, which was his residence and, and uh, we were working in, and he said, um, while why we were busy, you know, well, the Lord says, give and you will receive. You know, and it went silent. And nobody responded to that. And, and he, was, he, was, he was trying to say to us, you're going to be blessed by the work that you do. But that was not a time to speak. And after we were done and we were standing, and we always have the rule that after we're done and we're, you know, we're getting something, you know, cold to drink and so forth before we're ending the day and returning, 
and were sitting with him. And um, um, and one of them said, you know, you said to us um, that as we give, the Lord will return to us. And um, um, they, they said to this individual, um, this brother, uh, we're not here to receive anymore. Um, we have received everything that we could possibly have. Uh, the Lord has blessed us in that way. And, and um, what motivates us is not to receive back from the Lord for what we are doing, but to respond to the great gifts that we've already received from him of life and in the cross itself. And those were words that this brother needed to hear. Um, and he received them well. And, and he looked, you know, he, 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 you know, he looked at him and he put his head down. And he said, yes, it is about grace, isn't it? So that's the kind of power uh, that the, in the witness of these lay people uh, and how they serve others. Amen. President Schultz, thank you for your time today. Thank you. And please thank uh, uh, all of your listeners uh, for their continuing response um, uh, to the uh, seems to be never-ending needs uh, that we continue to face throughout disasters, whether it's through hurricanes or, or tornadoes in and, and various areas of our country, wildfires, um, you know, and, and that it doesn't seem any area of the country is untouched uh, by uh, the forces of nature and, and the fallenness uh, of nature that we experience. Um, uh, so, um, you know, please, please render our thanks um, and uh, for not only their response, but their continuing response uh, to the needs of the people, not just of the church, but through, throughout our nation and the world. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.